it's coming. Pass is picked off. He's going to go looking again, and it's picked off by Stephon Gilmore. Down on the right sideline. Into the end zone, and he's picked off. Back the other way. Well, hello. Welcome back to another UK Pick 6 podcast, where myself, Jazz Gillam, and Dave Bluck try... Well, it's not. It's very difficult this week to try and make money talking about the NFL and, and putting some bets on, because... There's only one game to bet on now, um, well, so I don't, really, options too. I don't really know how we're going to do this. But look, we'll give it a go. We'll see how all things go. Uh, we, well, I say we, the Royal We, are at the convention centre in Miami, in South Beach. The sun is shining. It's glorious here, although we did have a massive thunderstorm last night. We're on the Wednesday? Oh, th- is it Thursday today? It's Thursday. We're on the Thursday. On the oh, those flights Mate. and jet lag and going out have really uh, <laughs> ruined your days. It has all blurred into one, let me tell you. Because um, I, I got off the plane on Tuesday night at half past five. And by seven o'clock, I was in the all-you-can-eat-and-drink media party where I did not eat anything, but I did drink, drink plenty. <laughs> oh, nice. And I hope you didn't make a fool of yourself. Uh, apparently, <laughs> um, we got given free thermoses, right? And we took some cans from the bar for, like, leaving. And uh, apparently I was told that you're not allowed to drink in the street. And I do recall this. Is I opened my can, poured all the beer into my thermos, and then crushed the can and dropped it on the floor. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> that sounds you can't so oh, Yeah, I can imagine it. Bloody hell. Yeah, so... Um, and then... You should have got one of those brown paper bags. Like, yeah, movies, like proper, like, American, American movie style, yeah. Yeah. It's suddenly invisible now that it's in the brown bag. But we we that was okay. And then we were up at half past five in the morning to go off to the Kansas City Chiefs media stuff at eight AM. And oh, from so then, why did you get up at half five though? If it's well, time at eight. Well, because you want to beat the traffic because it's about thirteen miles north of Miami where we are, uh, where the Chiefs oh, are. Oh right, okay. So yeah, yeah. it was kind of get a, make sure you're in an Uber by six o'clock to get there for half six and you can get cameras set up and check the equipment and all that stuff. But in my drunkenness on the Tuesday night, I did pack my bags perfectly for going off to the Kansas City Chiefs in the morning. So That's some, a good thing. Some good came out of it, I think. Um, the one time I ever packed drunk, I was also an absolute pro at it. Yeah? Yeah. It's, did it's, it. I was on it for Jack's wedding. We had two hours between us getting back in. No, sorry, four hours from us getting back in at half six in the morning to get up, get dressed, get packed, and go and get on a bus to Seoul, which is a two-hour bus journey. Damn. And so I thought, before I went to bed, I'll just pack the bags. And that was the best decision I think I've ever made. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely And then Subway, I had a Subway before getting on the bus, and that was also the second best decision I made that whole time, because that sorted out most of the hangover. So you're listening it's to the... on you to remember what you ate. Uh... <laughs> hey man, that hangover cure was brilliant. Double steak and cheese for the win. You're listening to the Drunk Pack podcast of... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> um so Ollie's live from uh, from Florida. Jazz is live from Kings Langley, and I'm live from Wales. It's a global podcast, man. We're gl- yeah, it's international. Entity. Your yours is slightly more impressive and interesting, but you know, only slightly. It's, it's subjective. Uh, yeah. Kings Langley's got a lot going for it. In fairness, it got renamed <laughs> yeah. as Kings Landing for a week after the, the uh, Game of Thrones thing. They just well, me that actually happened, and the week before it, in the local like Gazette paper, it had. Uh, <laughs> Let's see what happens. It's going to be lots of tourism. No, Nothing happened. 
yeah. That's probably getting cut, I'm going to guess. No, no, we'll, uh, leave, we'll leave that in. But let's... Football, <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you just... Screw you guys. Look, talking of Game of Thrones, the running back king of the Tennessee Titans, Derek Henry, Whoa. was dethroned by the Kansas City Chiefs in the AFC Championship game. They are joined here in Miami by the San Francisco 49ers who toppled the Green Bay Packers in the NFC Championship game. Both victories very convincing indeed. And now we have a whole week of building up to the big game. They have been out and about dealing with the press every single day, both of these two teams. Richard Sherman, I've fallen in love with. I don't know if you saw his oh, really? quotes. Well, I mean, I loved him anyway, but he was talking about the NFL PA and the new bargaining agreement that's on the table. And he was very educated and concise with discussing the he, idea of the he, 17th game. I don't know if it ever, uh, know if it ever came, off, uh, came up, Ollie, but he, uh, he went to Stanford. So really? Dude. Yeah, I, yeah. Antonio Gates played basketball. And, and I think uh, I think our media table... tight ends are good basketball players. <laughs> Apparently so, yeah. Oh. Antonio Gates and some of the other ones have played basketball in the past. It's pretty amazing. It's probably because they're really good at boxing people out in the end zone and then getting the con- the catches, isn't it? That's what it is. That's what they say. That's literally what they say on the broadcast, you dicks. <laughs> oh, he's well, yeah, boxed them out like he's in the NBA. That's exactly what they say. Fuck you guys. Yeah, it's kind of. Why am I here? <laughs> All right. You got any other? You know, we uh, we actually um, Ollie hasn't mentioned it yet. We did actually record uh, an entire podcast last week where we were breaking down the um, AFC and NFC Championship games. Um, but uh, through to technical issues, it never got published. No. Um, well, tech issues from the tech uh, guy as well, which is the most worrying thing. Well, I was I was leading on to it, Jazz, because I think you should be quite glad that that was never published. Because you made some really stupid comments throughout. <laughs> oh, is that right? <laughs> Yeah, it was. Well, it wasn't you know, your best. Particularly your your stance on the Pro Bowl and you know, you, yeah, your love of, We like, can revisit uh, the dodgeball ball, conversation but... some other point, Dave. <laughs> it, it was the longest podcast that we've done, and it was by far was at really points long. like the worst. <laughs> Mainly because well, of Jazz's. I think it was funniest personally, Jazz's but hey, comments. what do I know? <laughs> well, it's the, it's the only podcast where we were drinking for it as well, so it probably that... makes sense that it should be removed from the record. Yeah, the only thing that I miss is the fact that we got to you know slam home Eli Manning and his retirement for a bit. But I know, yeah, yeah. we'll never have that audio now. Yeah. We'll have to. Uh... It's not we'll hard to come back in a year's time and do like an anniversary celebration. Or it's not we'll hard just wait to recreate. The when we talk about each team, that'd be a really quick, easy uh, smashing all over him again. Mm, yeah, yeah. How Daniel Jones is way better, and yet we still all want Big Blue to fail because it's the Giants. And that Eli's um, finally got rid of the shadow over the Giants, so they're going to be better because of it. All that sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, we, we've got uh, we've got guests on this podcast this week. Cause we've had some audio hunting around about we've got uh daniel Sorensen of the kansas city chiefs is going to be on here uh steve spagnola will also be on the defensive coordinator worked under jim johnson and andy reed in philadelphia uh, i'm going to try and get my hands on some of the andy reed audio because for the driest man on the planet he's hilarious he's so fun oh really like, well somebody asked him about being really dry with the media and he's known for being really funny he just went well yeah you're here to do a job i'm here to do a job no one wants a comedian up here and the whole press conference starts burst out laughing because it's just so bland with it. Did <laughs> um, anyone try and give him a cheeseburger yet? No one's tried to give him a cheeseburger. He's actually been saying he's really pleased with how the media have been so respectful. So I don't think anybody should try and give him a cheeseburger, especially as we're oh, not okay. doing like opening night stuff anymore. It's like these are the serious now. Yeah, super serious. serious. Talk. 
yeah, game yeah, yeah. day. Game faces on jazz. Game faces. Game time. Uh, We'll have uh, Solomon Thomas from the San Francisco 49ers as well. Got chatting with him about that defensive line and, and how productive they've been and talking about as well their struggles in the fourth quarter towards the end of uh, this season. Uh, Dave, I did mention the Falcons' loss to him. I was like, you know, that highlights it quite a bit, uh, which he didn't look too happy about me mentioning that. But, you know, whatever. I mean, they have to answer the questions, right? Um, well, right, now you've annoyed, well, annoyed two people with that. So yeah. Why? The Falcons Thanks. won. That's good. I was giving the Falcons some love. They beat the Niners. That's a good thing. Yeah. I don't think Dave understood what you were talking about by the look of things. Yeah. Maybe he's been drinking I, again. The thing is, though, well, it's probably better to tell him about the Falcons game rather than tell him where well, he's number three overall pick who hasn't really lived up to the hype. That's probably the last thing you want to say to a, yeah. a guy yeah. on Radio Row. It's Radio Row? Radio Row. Radio Row. Yeah, he is drinking, actually. Uh, Dave is drinking while we He is actually, yeah. <laughs> I did. I just noticed oh, no, that. Yeah, prob- you're right. <laughs> that's probably why I didn't understand what you're saying. I thought you were ragging on the Falcons because of the Super Bowl. No, I no. I think when I just hear Falcons from you guys now, I just think you're going to make some really clever comment about the No, no. Kyle, Kyle uh, Shanahan has, about, uh, Shanahan's yeah. batted away those questions really nicely, actually. Somebody asked him about uh, nice. him confronting that loss and being very open about it rather than running away from it. And he, yeah. was, he was like, well, why would I run away from it? I'm really proud of what we did that year. We were an amazing team. We got to the Super Bowl and there are things we can learn from it for sure, but I'm really proud of what we achieved. And it's like, yeah, why would you run away from that? So Shanahan's won me over. The 49ers have won me over in general because they're just really friendly and stuff. Uh, a little bit more than the Chiefs and the Chiefs media times are so unfriendly that it's losing a lot of fans, to be honest. Um, How do you mean? Well, because it's an 8 a.m. start and it's like nobody oh, wants yeah, to get up brutal. at 8 a.m. Like, Although the, the sunrise is beautiful in Miami, so it's not the worst thing. But um, yeah, so we'll have uh, plenty of that audio once we've done chatting about uh, the game and everything. But we should probably talk about the game because, yeah, it's fairly important. Super Bowl 54, Niners against the Chiefs. Who's going to win? Um, yeah. Have you changed your mind yet, either of you? Because we put in some predictions last week, which never got aired. I can't remember what I said. <laughs> it doesn't matter because you could just put it's just such a coin flip. Yeah. It's such a coin flip. I'm, I'm still going with the 49ers. They're the underdogs, uh, by the way. They are not the favourites in this game. By, by not much. Like it's point, point it's, it's 1.5. The spread is 1.5 either way. Wow. I think it's less than, a, less than a safety between them. I thought it'd be the 49ers, though, that would be the favourites. That's what I thought, by, too. Yeah. But you know, the Chiefs are the favourites. Well, I've, I've, I've got it. I've got it down. I'm kind of making some notes before um, um, before logging on. Um, this might be an interesting way of kind of opening up the discussion about these two teams. Yeah. So if we compare both teams and break it down individually into into different groups, positional groups, and then coaching staff and that kind of thing as well. Just interesting to get your take on it. Who do you think the better coaches? Andy Reid, Shanahan. Uh, so even because I put it down as even because I think it's subjective. <laughs> oh, I like this. This is a fun game if we do it like this. Yeah. This is like <laughs> would so you rather? Isn't it even? QB. We're all going to go the Chiefs, right? Yeah, yeah Mahomes. Mahomes yeah. Obviously Mahomes. Offensive line. I don't know. Niners. Enough. I'd say I Niners would say that. I would say it's fairly even. I give it to I the Niners. Yeah, I, I, I mean. I'd edge it with the Niners. Because yeah, if you're the, the best Niners. player on their O-line, Joe Staley, and he is an unbelievable player. 
the best one of the Chiefs. I can't think of them if I talk about them. apart from Eric Fisher, the left tackle. That's all I know. Well, I've got I've got some stats on it. They did, they only allowed twenty five sacks just uh, in the regular season. The, the Niners, Chiefs. Or the Chiefs, the Chiefs, right? Um, the seventh fewest QB hits. The Forty Niners were eight, so pretty close. On that stat, they're fairly even. I mean, it, it's hard, isn't it? Because so much of it's down, especially because Mahomes is so mobile. Yeah. How much does he elude? Yeah. How much is it down to him as well? But Kansas City were ranked third on the NFL's. Right, overall, I think it, I don't know if it's PFF, but it was the overall offensive lines list. Um, and then the 49ers were fifth. But you don't know all the stats that they're judging that against. No. I just um, think if you look at it from a rushing point of view, the rushing attack is better for the 49ers than it is for the Chiefs. Yes. So that, so that, so we can kind of go on. They bleed into each other. So running backs, what do you guys reckon? 49ers? Niners, yeah. 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 All over. Yeah. So they got 2,000 yards between them. Mostert, Breeder and Coleman, and they've been tearing up the playoffs as well. So that's a tick. Receivers, it's got to be Kansas City, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely. We've got Kelsey Hill, Watkins, Hardman. Oh, you're putting Kelsey in as a receiver? You're not, you're not breaking down tight ends no, specifically? No, because okay. it, it's, it's kind of a wash between him and Kittle anyway. So if we yeah. do for the 49ers, Kittle, Sanders, and, and Debo Samuel. So it's still strong. But uh, not as good. Defensive mm-hmm. front, seven. Niners. Without uh, question. Yeah, Niners, yeah. Front seven, definitely. Niners, yeah. And then... And then the secondary. secondary. That's quite That's even, a I tough think. one, I think. Yeah. I would say the 49ers, but I don't know. They're the number one pass defence in the league. Like, you go with the Niners. The trouble with pass defence, though, is it's also down to the rush. Yeah, yeah, and uh, you, you know that's have a how the secondary and have the best D line of all time, and they won't but have any chance pass. That's how Philly did it. Rush as well, so. That's how Philly did it when they won it. But I think when you've got somebody like Richard Sherman leading that uh, that defensive DB unit, um, and I think the adjustments that they've shown that they can make with Williams and Witherspoon in terms of like rotation that we saw in the Vikings game, I think it shows that they've got depth there. They don't really lose a beat, and they can adjust and yeah. have different players in on the fly. Um, I mean, I love Solomon and, and Matthew, particularly in the playoffs, but I would just could just about go with the Niners on that. It's close. Though. Yeah, they're tied with the Patriots for allowing the fewest first-down completions in the regular season. So they don't. They play a lot of cover three. They don't give up big plays, which could be perfect against the Chiefs. That's what you need to do is limit them. Yeah. If you're gonna if limit you're gonna the splash plays. Thirty points. Yeah. yeah. So so if we get, if we go through all of those then. So I just see the 49ers as having the edge in a tight contest. They're, they're a better team all round. Yeah, I agree. I think that the question with it all becomes is it's down to, to my eyes, if the D-line of the 49ers can carry on being as good as they have been and keep yeah. Mahomes throttled in the pocket because they'll get enough pressure to make it through the middle and whether or not the Chiefs D can stop the run game. That's what it comes down to from my point of view. So it really comes down to both front sevens. Whichever yeah. one performs better, I think, will be the key to winning the game because both offences are good and both defences are good. They're quite well matched and quite evenly balanced teams, which makes a change for these sort of Super Bowls. But again, if you have a better offence against a good defence, the defence tends to win. How many times through history have we had? Not, I'm not saying that the Chiefs are the number one offence or like that, but you have an offence that's flying high completely get destroyed by a very good defence in the playoffs. 
and yeah. the Super Bowl uh, itself actually. You look at the the Broncos, Seahawks, or the Raiders and the Bucks back in O two. Defense wins championships, Jazz. That's it. <laughs> That's what they say. And running the ball. And apparently running yeah, the ball. Yeah, absolutely. Does too. And the and the Niners the Niners are winning in both those categories. So in yeah, theory they should do it, but of course you haven't maybe they haven't had count the trouble you've got to try and account for is Mahomes' unbelievable arm and Hill's ridiculous speed or even Hardman's ridiculous speed or Watkins' ability to shimmy or Kelsey's ability to find space in no space. And box out like a like a basketball player almost. Yeah, that's it. Box the ego. Our league, he learned it, see? <laughs> yeah. And just well, I, you wait. Next time you watch the, the NFL and there's a guy who's played basketball in college, they'll say he's boxed him out. You just wait for it. Okay. I mean, I'll wait until next season, so you just, just yeah, tap, I know. So you, tap, you probably tap me forget. up then. Tap me up then. But if, if, I, if I hear it, I'm recording it, and I'll send it to you both. And we'll play it on the Bruce. podcast. Seems like you're missing the point. Yeah. Um, what I what I was thinking though this week, uh, the more we've kind of heard from him, and he's been like, quite heavily featured as one of the players for the Kansas City Chiefs, is the Sean McCoy, and obviously he's been mm-hmm. out for, you know, a few weeks now. But I think coming back, I think this is just another little additional X factor that I'm not saying you know Shady's not been shady of old or anything like that. But I just think out of the backfield as a as an easy dump off and somebody that can still he can still make people miss. He's got a bit of a wild running style, uh, which I've never really felt comfortable with. With that ball just kind of being carried in one hand rather than cradled and covered. But I do think the Sean McCoy just might play a little bit of a additional part in this, and more than other people think. And from everything that we've heard from him this week, he seems really keen to come in and not usurp Williams in any way shape or form but show like you know this is you've got to give me touches in this game because I'm going to make things happen and the nice thing for the Chiefs is that they've got the deep threat they've got over the middle with with uh, Kelsey and then Shady out of the backfield as well who's better than Williams as a receiving back and you know it's just another extra thing that the Niners have to control and, and the front seven have to be aware of when they get hyper aggressive on pass rushing and getting after Mahomes that there isn't just a little dump there in the screenplay to to kill it off because Andy Reid you know used to do that a lot with Philadelphia and and like to play that sort of way so I, yeah I just think Shady being back might be a really big thing for the Chiefs I'm not saying it's going to be the thing that decides the game like for them, but I, I like his involvement in this game a lot and I still I still will go with the Chiefs at this point for this Super Bowl you're, go- you're going with the Chiefs I still will go with the Chiefs you're, just, you're, you're banking on, on the homes and, uh, and banking on McCoy by the sounds of things what I'm yeah, God, he loves which I McCoy. completely disagree for, with. For a guy, for a guy who got like 400 yards in the regular season, I'm, it's, it's, uh, it's just a played by Damian Williams in the entire season. It's just a useful, uh, additional throw. There's always somebody. Not... There's, there's always somebody in these Super Bowls that is on the periphery who ends up coming up big. Yeah, but it won't be him. Well, okay, who do I you, can't who see do, it being him because Damian Williams think? will play a lot more. Who do you think are going to be the uh, the potential unknown X factors then? Well, the trouble with unknown X factors like that is it's usually people who you never would have thought. I remember um, when the Panthers played the Broncos. Remember when Coney yeah, Ealy had that kind of yeah. Remember when Coney Ealy had uh, like three sacks and an interception. And if the Panthers won the Super Bowl, he might have been the MVP. And now he's playing the XFL. 
So these kind of unknown players will come out of anywhere, but you can't really even try and predict them because it's so difficult to even think about who is going to be the one who they haven't accounted for. Because usually it's the people they haven't thought are going to be useful, they come out of nowhere. Like Jordan Matthews, whose mother is apparently, I found out this week, the cousin of Jerry Rice. So Jordan Matthews steps in in a Niners jersey after being released by them, picked up by the Eagles, coming back in again in the playoffs, and he gets his first grabs of the year, basically, in the Super Bowl and goes big. (laughs) Now, that would be a great story. Uh, It's a phenomenal story. That would be a very good America's game. Jordan Matthews has had quite a lot of attention around the place because... I think his mother's cousin is Jerry Wright. Yeah, and it's like, oh, poor Jordan Matthews has done sod all, but he's in a Super Bowl with the Niners, so he's going to get asked a a hell of a lot about the Rice (laughs) connection. I think he must be getting... You're talking about about kind of interesting storylines. Emmanuel Sanders is uh, quite an interesting one. For him to go and sign with the 49ers and then um, then to end up in a Super Bowl as a... um, Is that as far as the story goes? Mm. Because that's not very interesting. Well, no, I mean, 32 years old. <laughs> I mean, I bet he was he was thinking about retiring soon. You know, that is old for a wide receiver. For him to have another chance. You know, the, the Broncos, he came from a team that has been in the in the doghouse for the last couple of years. And then signs of the 49ers, and he's going to a Super Bowl. I just think it's a nice little wrinkle. I haven't really heard anybody talking about it. That's a nice story. Not interesting. Yeah. Nice. But this is one thing... <laughs> this is the other thing about the Niners. Like, they're, they're a good team. Um, and we haven't obviously seen their, their pass game be used much in the last few weeks in any way, shape or form. But because we're not talking about Sanders and, and Debo Samuel as much or anything like that, I, I do I do just worry that they have been so run heavy that there they could be maybe a, not element of panic, but you know if the run Rusty. doesn't work for any reason, yeah. you know, Garoppolo suddenly going back to... And, and Garoppolo, I still thinking against the Vikings, you know, there were some pretty reckless throws in there and like chucking the ball yeah. away as he was getting hit, like under pressure. Didn't have a good game. Under pressure that he's not a great quarterback. So, look, uh, somebody said on a podcast the other day he was top five in what yards, yards per attempt and touchdowns this year in the league. And he was the only quarterback to be in the top five of all three of those stats. So he's obviously not a bad quarterback in any way, shape or form. But but if it if it does end up coming down to the pass game, there's no way that Kansas don't get beaten in any way, shape, or form. The Niners have to have that run. Yeah, I think it's more you just worry a little bit. You know, it's it's kind of it's kind of like uh, Shanahan put all of his chips in the middle on the running game for this postseason. But like you said, if, if that stutters out of the gate and they can't, you know, get five yards of carry every play. You know, is, is Garoppolo, yeah, is he going to have rust on that arm? You know, the receiver's going to be in sync. You know, it's it's a few games, really, but since he's been asked to launch the ball, isn't it? But there's a reason like for over, that. Over a month, But there's it? a reason why. Because if they if you can't stop the run, why would you pass? Yeah, why would no, you expose no, I get yourself it. to I, that level I get of it. extra it's things? Just, it's just, I get why he's done it as a coach, and it's obviously got into the Super Bowl, so it's hard to argue against it at this point. Plus the the Niners the Niners, sorry the the Chiefs stopped the best running attack in the playoffs arguably in Derek Henry in and the, the second and half the, they did yeah in the first yeah, half yeah. it wasn't as good the second half they made adjustments they managed to stop him and, and so I th- yeah. I think you've seen that this is I mean I, I love the fact that the secondary of the Chiefs is you know led by Matthew is one of the hardest hitting in the NFL um, and I think that that can support shutting down that run game a, a hell of a lot and. And that's oh, what yeah. they did with that's what they did with Derek Henry, who's one of the toughest runners to bring down. You know, we saw people like Earl Thomas almost running scared, getting pushed all over about. And and as you say, Jazz, they they 
second half, he did absolutely nothing, and the Titans were completely flummoxed. And Dan Sorensen was leading the way. And I don't, yeah, <laughs> and I don't think it will be that way against the Niners. But there is a lot of confidence that the Chiefs have of, yeah, we can shut down the run. Don't worry about it. Difference is though they have got, although they had maybe a better talented back last week, and also a very good O line they're up against. Not last week, two weeks ago. Um, they didn't have Shanahan calling plays, and Shanahan clearly has a very good and very incredible brain at creating schemed run plays to make you don't know where it's coming from or where it's going to and where the point of attack is. And also, think of how good George Kittle is as a blocker. He's just smashing people left, right, and center. Mm. So you take that in consideration, there's no reason why they couldn't carry on running it. And then if they do stop them, they've got enough weapons and enough ability to hopefully get those few yards to get the first downs and then make the the ball move and as I can't remember who it says matriculate the ball down the field isn't it that's what they say well yeah and control the clock as well yeah 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 if they can do that but again the, the, the trouble with controlling the clock against Kansas City is as we've seen in the last what two playoff games even if they get down to a, a the behind they can still make these massive splash plays and come but back within it, 10 it, minutes and be from 24 nil down to 27 24. It's just, it's not right. But this is the other but thing that sort of shit shouldn't happen. But it's the best that you can do, isn't it? Yeah, I know. But the thing is, if you try and control the clock, fair enough. But you, you can't use that as the only way of trying to stop them. You have to play a lot of good defense as well. And oh, I hope yeah. that they have a very slow first quarter as they have done the last couple of games which, where they have had drops on third downs and haven't been able to really make plays properly. Which can't they, they can't afford to have that happen. I don't think they will have that happen going into this game. Like, yeah. Lessons lessons will have been learnt from the last two games of this offence needs to start moving the ball on that first drive because th- you can't fall behind to the Niners and expect to get back into it, as you mentioned, because they control the clock. I think what's kind of underrated, and we saw it in the uh, AFC Championship game, I rewatched it on the flight over, is Kansas are really good at controlling the clock as well. You know, they can hit with the big splash plays, but there are a few drives in that second half that, you know, 12, 13 play drives that just grinding the clock down, whittling away time. And, you know, they can play short ball. They can run it well enough to be able to pick up the yards that they need to just keep the downs ticking over and ticking over. Yeah, true, true. And, and that's almost more worrying that it's an offense that kind of can turn it off and on in big plays or, or grinding it out. And it hasn't been discussed too much in the, in the build-up to this game. And I, I think... I think the Chiefs, if you talk about the ability to control the tempo and flow, probably have a better chance of doing it because the Niners rely on that run game to be able to do it. Maybe the reason why it's not been spoken about is because of Mahomes' magic the last couple of weeks and they've had that slow start and had to really make a lot of points up really rapidly. Mm. The thing with the 49ers, though, again, if you look back to the, the Saints game, in the Saints game, Jimmy G threw for, I think it was almost 400 yards and four touchdowns. So it, was, yeah. it wasn't as if... He's had no performances all season. No, no, he's it's got not it. as if they've had to just run all season. They've had games where he's had to play and make the big plays, and he has. So uh, that's why I think it's such an interesting matchup, offensively how, on both teams, because it's how good balanced. would it? How good would it be, guys, if they? If we talk about the running game, you know, throughout the whole week, and then Shanahan just calls a fucking sixty-yard bomb as the first play. Okay. Well, and, uh, all, that'll be so good. All I'm envisioning <laughs> is the, the I form Debo Samuel on the right side of the wide receiver position, far right, in the Z position, I guess. And you've got the fake handoff with Yuzchik running uh, lead block for let's uh, let's go with Breeder. Um, fakes it. Everybody. 
bundles into Breeder and Debo Samuel's caning it 40 yards down the field. Like uh, yeah. like v- Mike Vick did on that opening play against Washington when he threw like 16 touchdowns <laughs> against the Redskins in Monday Night Football. You know, that first play went for 80 yards because it was just fake the handoff. Everyone was expecting it to go to McCoy and then Jackson just running that deep post downfield killed him. I mean, it, it wouldn't be too surprising and out of the realms of possibility. And it might be something that they do go with. Of like, okay, let's dial it up on the first drive. Let's let's pass the ball. Let's show people that we're not a one tandem, a one sided team. It, it'd be very very interesting if he did do that. I just oh, it, it's a crazy game. It's an absolutely crazy game. I really, uh, you know, I've just been I've been flip flopping on it in my head, like different outcomes and stuff. Oh, yeah. And uh, the the only way that I could I could see. The only way I could see a blowout is with the 49ers, though. I could see a potential universe where the 49ers just kind of control it fairly well from start to finish and win by two scores. Yeah. I don't think it's going to happen, but I, I, could, I could see it happening. Just from the breakdown of those positional boots and the coaching, I could just... It's possible that that would happen but I really hope that it comes down to like three points yeah I think this is a yeah this could be a nail real close this is going to be sort of I reckon last tick of the game sort of thing not even touch have you guys got a score on it I was thinking about this earlier I was thinking maybe some like 35 38 something on those lines wow okay I'm going to have a busy night to that (laughs) yeah high scoring ish but you know it's going to come down to a field goal I reckon to win it I don't think it's going to be a touchdown I got 31 28 so similar kind of thing, yeah. just not as high scoring. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> all I want is one touchdown less than I'm thinking. Yeah. 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 All all I want is a Chiefs win at this point because I'm really on board the Andy Reid train. But <sighs> I, I was like 28 17 Chiefs. That's what Ooh, I'm thinking. Okay. Like I could just see Mahomes and like if you if you can't get to Mahomes it's game over. They find a way to get Mahomes moving about and away from the rush, and they can't collapse the pocket like they'd like to. It's game over. Whereas if they the if Niners they can still... get the pressure, if they can get the pressure, if they need a hero, Kansas City on defense. I, I reckon if Frank Clark or Chris Jones can get two sacks, you feel like the momentum could switch in there, Speaking in their of, uh, I think they need something on defense as well. They uh, can't just it uh, can't just all be Mahomes. Pick six. Jimmy G throws a pick six to Matthew. Hit, hit as he throws, <laughs> and Tyron Matthew takes it back. Speaking of uh, Frank Clark, have you boys heard about the the little beef between him and D Ford? No. <laughs> no. So D Ford, of course, played on the Chiefs last year. Um, yeah, yeah, he's, he's and he was the now, guy yeah. for the offsides. Yeah, that ruined the chance to stop Tom Brady yeah. in third and fifteen. I think it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I forgot about that. And then he okay. went to the Forty yeah. ers and yeah. Frank Clark has apparently come out this week and said that it was ridiculous that someone did that. In that situation, you can't be offsides. A professional should never be offside. And D four came back saying, "Well, if you look at my stats and his stats, you know who's better." So whatever. <laughs> But quite an interesting storyline in fairness, having D Ford having gone from the Chiefs and everyone was saying to, that it's a stupid move for him, although he's getting more money, that he's going to a team that's not going to be competitive as opposed to staying on a team that should have a chance to get back to, well, the AFC Championship game anyway. Yeah, he's got a good he's got and a yeah, good he's story. back in the big one instead. Yep, yep. And he's playing. I mean, 
it is weird though how I mean he's he's had a relatively good season. There's just there's a lot to go around there. When you look at when you look at the guys on that defensive front though, you got Bosa who was I was looking at the the picks. He's round one, pick two in 2019. Yeah. Armstead round one, pick 17 in 2015. But yeah, three years of kind of on and off Maturing. injury, and then he's had a breakout season. Maturing, yeah. And then uh, Buckner, 2016, first round, uh, pick number seven. Well, he's really good too. Mm. Yeah, I know, and it feels like, and and then D Ford as well. It's just, I mean, those four together is just completely scary. You could see them taking the game over. You know, we're talking about the quarterbacks and the running backs. You could just see those four guys just coming out and winning it. And didn't even mention Solomon Thomas, the guy that Ollie interviewed. So, I mean, you think of it that way, there's a great rotation. Those four guys could beat anyone one-on-one for we've learned that this season. So, if you have four guys that can win any one-on-one matchup, you can only double-team one of them. So, invariably, two of them are probably going to win. If two of them win, there's your two Rushes. And Mahomes is so he's so he moves so well in the pocket, but you know you can avoid the first one, but the second guy he might get you. You know, yeah. they're so young, they're so they're so fast. It's yeah, it's really scary. Absolutely. Okay. Well, I'm afraid, gents, I have to start thinking about shooting off because we've got to get to the 49ers afternoon media business, stuff. Business. Numbers, numbers, business, business. Um, but is there anything else you wanna you wanna tack what, on? What are your bets? Yeah, well, you got gonna, bets? but I've, I haven't got a bet on it yet. I'm I'm really gonna leave this until probably Sunday, and I'm not gonna be able to pick it properly until then. I'm gonna go probably right. 49ers win, but try and do something with the maybe a first touchdown score or any time touchdown score, yeah. and try and just boost the odds a little bit. Oh, I've got You've a. Got to do something like that. I've got a bet. So I lost a bet with. Um, one of the guys from Sky Sports in Chicago on the opening game of the year because it was the second drive for the Bears and I said, I bet you a beer that Mitch Trubisky throws an interception. And he didn't. He just went three and out. But, you know, um, and so I said to the guy, look, we'll do double or nothing on the Super Bowl on something. And so I've said to him that Jimmy Garoppolo will have a better QB rating at the end of the game than Patrick Mahomes, but the Kansas City Chiefs will win the Super Bowl. That's crazy. Well, that's just just <laughs> giving him free beer, man. Well, I figured uh, Garoppolo's like, like me with a Tannehill. Oh, Tannehill will get more rushing yards than Jackson. I'm just giving you free there. goddamn booze. That's <laughs> well, all you're doing there. What if what if Jimmy G throws... That's the dumbest t- thing I've ever heard. Throws 9 of 10 <laughs> for 200 yards and gets two, like, gets two touchdowns. And Patrick Mahomes has the ball in his hands and just has to slug it out and gets picked off once or twice. Suddenly... But he's able to slug it out so much, suddenly the Kansas City Chiefs get it done. That is a wild prediction, that is. Yeah. I'm not on board with that. Well, he's, um, he said he wouldn't I take have, the bet I've unless I went big, so... Yeah. <laughs> I've found a couple that I'm looking at that I haven't pulled the trigger on yet. I've got... Uh, this is just... I'm looking at silly things because they're just like... There's, there's no good odds out there. I've got the 49ers to convert a fourth down of nine yards or more at any time. Oh, down. that's quite... Uh, uh, like, that's like 12 to 1. Um, That's I just pretty bold. Why would they go for a fourth and nine or more? Just be, you know. I mean, if they're behind, you know. They're yeah. Behind, yeah. You know, no, that's just kind of crazy. Okay. Fair enough. Well, especially yeah. especially well, when you get to be a lot well. higher than that. They should be much higher than twelve to one. Jesus. Especially when you yeah, get into your close like game, Jazz. Yeah. Your close and game then, on that and final. And the other one I've got, I've got Jimmy Garoppolo over two hundred and twenty-five passing yards, and he scores a touchdown, which is nineteen. 
Is that? Which I think it's all right. He can pass the touchdown. It's not like he's got to run it in or. Well, anything. it doesn't say it doesn't say a rushing touchdown. I think it that must be a rushing that. touchdown. Because if you say every time you choose Garoppolo yeah, as a as a first touchdown score, yeah, I know, but that's what's got definitely what's going to be. Mm, that changes things. If you look at uh, that, I did think that looked quite good. Yeah, you, if you pick like first <laughs> touchdown scores, like Mahomes and Jimmy G, stats. they're really badly priced. They're in the twenties or thirties because they're not expected uh, to be the ones rushing the ball in. This is how difficult it is. I can't even understand the bet, See, <laughs> well, at least you, we taught you about it, and then you can hopefully you put the bet on yet. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> and I will be live uh, guessing players' weights when I'm in Taunton. Well, that's what we're all here at, for, uh, isn't it? That's, that's what we're really at, here for. At two in the morning. I might record some audio that you can uh, use at a later date for that, Ollie. We'll let's do an over-under. So, how many players are you going to do, do you reckon, Dave? Let's, just, let's choose the number of players you're going to you're going to guess uh, the weight of. Probably do... So, it's a 53-man roster. Probably do 106. So you're going to do 106 yeah. players. Okay, so so yeah. Ollie, over under, yeah, long, I think that Dave evening. will get over 25 bang on. For height and weight. 25 wait. bang on? Yeah, because okay, okay. you've got a good record so far, so you've got a chance here. It's uh-huh. going to be... It's, it's it's going to be different. I'm going to be. Uh, I'm going to be looking. We'll probably do like twenty. We'll probably do twenty-five. Okay, so it's twenty. I say you get over three. Over yeah. three, definitely correct. Of both height and uh, weight. No, I take the under on that. No, not not height. Height's out of it. Just weight. Oh, just, just weight. weight. Oh, just weight. Because yeah. otherwise, doing like why are we doing height as well? That's a whole different ballgame. Weight spot on. Yeah, I take. Uh, I take the under on that. Go on then. Oh, and over. Okay, so I got the over. So that's fine. We'll yeah. Put a beer on it, Ollie. Yeah, go on. Another beer on it. <laughs> Another beer on it. Try to win my one beer back already. Uh, Jazz, Jazz, have you joined Twitter yet? Have you? I've not joined Twitter just yet. No. All right. Fair enough. Dave, you, you what's your Twitter handle? Point. Can't remember. I haven't posted uh, anything on Twitter yet. We're such really professionals in this. I, I believe it's at David Bluck One. If you want to follow him on Twitter, it's not the most oh, interesting yeah. account. It's my name. Yeah. With yeah, the with number, the number one, one at the end. I'll figure some stuff. I'll uh, I'll put some stuff. In. Maybe maybe I'll put the uh, the weights of players. Yeah, I think you should live tweet the... live tweet the players. Live tweet, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and tell us how many you've got so I can follow no, it during Instagram the game. Instagram live of that's what we need. Instagram live of it. That'll do the trick nicely. And then uh, and then you can follow myself O underscore J underscore Wilson uh, pick six underscore pod is where to follow the podcast. We'll try and put some stuff up there. I've hopefully got some video bits that we're going up there soon. And uh, yeah. Enjoy, enjoy the, the game. Enjoy the game, gents. And we'll we'll come back at some point next week to to finish it all off. Break it down. Yeah. Yeah. Go Chiefs. <laughs> <laughs> right. Let's get into the interviews that we've got on the show. Uh, let's start with Steve Spagnola, D coordinator for the Kansas City Chiefs, uh, talking about just setting up this defense to take on Patrick Mahomes, and talking a lot about Jimmy Johnson, the influence that the former Eagles D coordinators had on this defense's approach. And working under Andy Reid and getting Andy Reid a Super Bowl. One of the things that really helped in 07 and, and probably helped now is because I had come from, and I'm going to go back to Jim Johnson. So, eight years in Philly, you, you know, you know the whole thing, and how successful we were. And that this system, and it's changed a little, you know, since we've done it, I've, I've, I've changed things. But the foundation is the same. And when I was in New York in 07, there you go. And so when it didn't feel good early, I could always go back and say, look, this, what we're doing is proven. 
We didn't make it up. You know, it's not really completely new. Uh, here's the foundation of where it's been, and I think part of that helped this year too. I mean, the guys probably go back and know that it's from right, the roots are in New York, and it had success, so there must be something right about it, you know. And I think they can hang their hat on that a little bit. I think there's a lot to be said for that, yeah. So, Steve, you touched on it just there, like Jimmy Johnson and, and the influence he's had on your system. I just wonder if you can elaborate on that a little bit more. Yeah, listen, I, I worked for eight years for Jim Johnson in Philadelphia with Andy, and really. Uh, that's where the foundation of what we do now came from. Uh, it's changed quite a bit because the game has changed and we've had to adjust. But uh, being able to work with him and see how he operated and the, the players we had and seeing how they function, the success we have, uh, has been re really beneficial for me to fall back on in any of these situations that I've had in the last 15, 16, whatever years it's been. I mean, Jimmy Johnson was great at bringing surprise blitzes from different areas and, and being really aggressive. And, and the way the 49ers in the playoffs have been so aggressive on that offense, running the ball down people's yeah. throats. Do you kind of think it's quite a nice matchup that, you know, you're, you've got some hard-hitting DBs and safeties back there in yeah. Matthew and Sorensen, and you can get them really involved in kind of supporting the run, much like you did against the Titans. Yeah, you got to be a little careful now because they know if you overplay that, they're going to shoot the ball downfield, and that's a problem. Um, you know, look, the aggressive football comes from the players, really. You have to be a little bit careful with aggressive blitzes when they're running the ball uh, because they spit, spit one through there and it gets out. It becomes an explosive run play, and we don't want that. So we've got to pick our spots. What we really need to do is be able to control the run game so we can get them in some passing situations and then maybe be able to get aggressive. But that'll be dictated by what we do on first and second down. In terms of preparing your defense for this game, how difficult has it been to to feel like you've covered all the bases with San Francisco's offense? Because, I mean, every team has a lot of weapons, but this does seem like a very complete unit on the offense. Very much so. And listen, when you're, they're not one-dimensional, they're two-dimensional. Everybody's talking a lot about the run game, but we have a tremendous amount of respect for when they do decide to throw it. The, the weapons they have, the tight end's an issue. They got wideouts out there that can get open. Uh, the running, the fullback coming out of the backfield is a problem. So they can do a plethora of different things. We just got to make sure that we stick to what we do, keep our eyes right, and make sure we eliminate explosive plays. That's the biggest thing. Have there been many adjustments and changes in how you kind of run this defense, little additions to the defensive line, for instance, in ways of getting pressure or... I mean, are you obviously you're not going to go into too much detail on this before yeah, Sunday. No, I mean, we, we do that all the way throughout the season. and um, But most of it, you know, most of it we try to keep the same because we don't want to, you know, diverge too far from what we do. Sometimes you get in a big game and that can be a problem. But we got a little mixture of everything. Just lastly, on, on head coach Andy Reid, I mean, it does seem like the NFL dad, if you will. Everybody is, it was touched on earlier, everyone's kind of pulling together for him, but you've worked with him for so long. Yeah. I mean, how much would it mean to him and, and mean to you as well to help him get that room? Yeah, I'll, I can speak for myself that I'm indebted to Andy for bringing me into this league. In 1999, he gave me a job to work with the Philadelphia Eagles, and it's allowed me to go on, and I've, I've been blessed with the things that have happened for me, and I owe that to Andy. I'd love to be able to somehow be a part of getting him a Super Bowl. Big part of that defense has been Daniel Sorensen in the playoffs, 16 tackles in two games. He's been all over the field and we sat down with him to talk about his impact over this run for the Kansas City Chiefs. Daniel, it's a it's an offense for the 49ers that a lot of people have focused obviously on the run. You've been very active in these playoffs, you and Tyron. Sorry, Tyron. Um, 
Does it kind of allow you perhaps this weekend to be even more aggressive and coming down and supporting that linebacker core and the D-line as well, which you seem to have done a lot in these playoffs? Yeah, you know, um, I, I would say that it's going to take everybody against this style of offense, you know, um, to be uh, counted in the run game, um, you know, myself included, as well as, you know, the corners and everybody's going to have a role as we um, try to attack and, and uh, stop this offense, right? So, you know, my role is just going to be like everybody else's in, in contributing to, you know, stopping the run. As a DB, how almost frustrating is it when it's a side that, from what we've seen so far in the playoffs, love to run the ball so much? Because it can, unless you are so aggressive, take you out of the game a little bit more. You have less of a part to play slightly. Yeah, you know, you know that's almost the approach when you, when you attack any team, right? If you can limit them, you know, um, to doing one thing and especially uh, just passing the ball, right? If you can stop the run or limit them in the running game and get them into favorable uh, situations where they have to pass, and then we can get into um, the things that we like to do best, right? And, and start having some fun maybe on, on the back end uh, as DBs and uh, have opportunities to create turnovers and to, to make plays for our team. As a DB, what do you kind of enjoy more? Getting to come up front and lay a few people out or making that pass protection, you know, shutting down a ball in the air, batting it away? What, what gives you more satisfaction? Yeah, you know, I love it all, right? You know, they're, they're, they're equally, um, you know, big plays for our team and uh, they're just as fun, you know, making a good tackle and, and uh, having a good pass breakup, both positive plays. As a, a defense, have you taken a lot of joy from the fact that you kind of shut down supposed King Henry in that AFC Championship game and you've beaten the best running team in football or they were in the playoffs at least until they met you guys you know I think it just gives us confidence right that was a big challenge that we that we knew we had to face and um, you know we stepped up to it and um, again we got another great challenge with San Francisco and it'll be another opportunity for us to rise to the challenge just lastly, away from the game a little bit, but Andy Reid uh, was touched on there that everybody seems to love Andy. He's like your, your dad in the NFL, if you will. What's the team's kind of perception of him as a, as a man, as a, as a head coach as well, and how much would it mean to Kansas City to be able to get Andy that ring fun? Yeah, Coach Reid is um, an incredible coach, an incredible person, um, and a mentor to all of us, right? We, we all look up to him. We love him. Um, he's got a personal relationship with everybody on the team. He's just that kind of person. Um, and it would mean everything to, to, to win this game for him, you know, uh, as well as the, the city of Kansas City and the Hunts and, and for ourselves. But, um, you know, he's, he's been so good at what he's been doing for such a long time. I think he, it's about time that he, he can uh, show it with a, with a Lombardi trophy. What, what's that personal relationship like? Because obviously you can't, as a head coach, get to know everybody as well as you'd like perhaps because there's so many people obviously on a roster and then you've got coaches assistant coaches etc what's your relationship with Andy um, you know he, he's got a great sense of humor and so um, you know he takes the time to you know make you smile and, and uh, you know crack a joke and to have some fun when he when the, when he has time and when the, when it's appropriate and so you, you just appreciate that uh, for him because you know he He's so busy. He's got a lot of things on his plate. He could just, um, you know, be focused on those type of things. But he, he takes the time to, 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 you know, have that kind of um, relationship with his players and sense of humor. What's Steve like as a D coordinator? Because speaking to him yesterday, he's, he's very calm and relaxed and doesn't come across 
you know, fiery in the media, but you can imagine there's a you know, slightly feistier side to him when it comes to game day and training. Yeah, um, there is a feistier side to him, um, and uh, it, it just it's his passion for the game, and um, he wants you know us to be just as just passionate about it. And um, but when it comes to game day, he actually has the ability to just kind of slow things down, calm things down, keep us focused. You know, even when things aren't aren't going our way, right? Um, he can has the ability to just kind of hey, just relax. Let's settle in. Let's focus on what we're supposed to do. You know, he leaves the, all the fiery stuff to practice and meetings and things like that. And then, um, you know, when it's game day, he just lets us go out there and play. How has he developed your play as a DB in that in that secondary? Yeah, he's an extremely detailed person, um, and and has one of the best coaches that I've had as far as giving knowledge and information. And so um, with that knowledge and information, it helps, helps you be a better player. It puts you um, in the right spot with the right knowledge of knowing what you're supposed to do and what to expect. And so, you know, with that, um, as a player, it, it, you know, it allows you to, you know, be able to make plays and, and to be your best self. Cheers, Daniel. Thank you very much, man. Appreciate it. Have a good day, man. Not just defense, though, for the Kansas City Chiefs, of course. And uh, there's actually a few former Super Bowl winners on this Kansas City side. Stephen Wisniewski, uh, the Eagle, who uh, won it with Philadelphia with Nick Foles' phenomenal run. Uh, the offensive lineman for the Kansas City Chiefs now. Uh, talk to him about what it's like to work in this offense. Firstly, am I pronouncing that correctly, the last name? Wisniewski, right? Yeah, Wisniewski, absolutely. Unless you want the Polish pronunciation, which is Wisniewski, of course. Of course. Well, I might use that on Sunday then. We'll go with Wisniewski. Go for it. Mr. Wisniewski. I'm not going to go with that. That's going to be way too hard all week. Uh, yeah, how's the week going, man? How's the, how's the build-up? It's going great. Um, you know, we've had almost two full good weeks of preparation. Uh, I feel like we're ready for the game. I've been enjoying the, um, you know, the atmosphere, enjoying the Super Bowl experience. Having fun down here in Miami, but, you know, focused and ready to go. I say not too much fun, right? The allures of South Beach are a little far away. Is that, is that any part of the reason why you guys are so far removed from town and your location? Do you know at all? Uh, you know, I'm not sure, you know, what that decision was based on, but uh, probably a little better for us to be a little farther away from all that. You talk about two weeks of preparation. What changes, if you can go, obviously not in too much detail, but what kind of adaptions are you making in preparation for this rampant front seven that the Niners have? Yeah, I mean, when you have more time, I think you just kind of get to know the defense a little bit better. You get to know your own game plan a little bit better. You work out um, even the smallest details on on every play, and uh, I think it, it gives you a good advantage. And I think we're I think we're prepared for this defense. It's been something in the playoffs for the Chiefs that has been a struggle of starting on the front foot and, and getting up in these games. It's a phenomenal offense coming from behind, and you can score points in bunches. But on Sunday, is there a real kind of message being sent out that that can't be happening against this Niners team? Yeah, I mean, you never want to fall behind. Um, obviously, we've been okay at, at digging ourselves out of deficits early, but we'd obviously like to start faster. Um, get out to a lead earlier would, would be a lot easier to, 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 to win the Super Bowl if we did that. But we do know that if we do fall behind, uh, we're confident we can come back and, and, and still make it happen. I was going to say, that must be a confidence boost, at least, that you've played some of the best teams in the AFC in the playoffs, and, and you have been behind, and you've blown them out of the water in the end. I mean, it's been kind of second quarters, and you just storm through, and there's no stopping you. 
Yeah, it's, it's definitely been a confidence builder. Um, when you score touchdown after touchdown like that, like we have in the playoffs so far, it uh, really gets the whole team believing, you know, that we can overcome anything and uh, that we can beat anybody. And I think this team believes that, and we have a lot of confidence, and uh, we're feeling good going into Sunday. Now, you've been here and done this before. You've got a nice ring at home as well with Philadelphia. What, what are the differences between this Kansas team and the atmosphere around it this week compared to, you know, that Eagles side that had the chip on the shoulder with the dog masks and being the underdogs for the playoffs? Yeah, every team's different. Um, you know, Philly, like you said, there was a big underdog mentality um, that whole playoff run, and it was all about the Patriots and Belichick and Brady. And uh, this one's obviously a different opponent, you know, playing against the Niners. So focus has been on, um, you know, their defense, their good D-line, and, you know, our offense trying to keep being as productive as we, as we have been. But uh, this is a great football team, and I'm, I'm, I'm blessed to be a part of it and uh, excited to see what we're going to do on Super Bowl Sunday. Now, you've got, obviously, Patrick Mahomes, the guy that can extend the play for seemingly hours, but LaShawn McCoy coming back as well as, as an offensive lineman. This must be a, a fun guy to, to be able to block for because you're going to stay on your toes because he likes to reverse field. He can move around, and anybody, you can start going cracking skulls in that linebacker core, and there's a good chance he's going to get up into the secondary. Yeah, uh, McCoy's a really good running back. We're really excited to have him. Um, real playmaker. I mean, makes people miss. Um, super elusive. And, you know, he's one of many backs we have that are have been doing a great job lately. And it's fun as an offensive lineman to get to block for talented guys like that. What, what do you prefer, pass blocking, run blocking as, a, as an O-line? Oh, run blocking is way more fun, yeah. You like the mano a mano kind of getting downfield. I suppose you get to do that with Patrick as well, as well when he's extending plays and shuffling around. Yeah, sometimes our pass plays turn into run plays, and uh, sometimes our run plays turn into pass plays. You know, that's what RPO, run pass options are. So uh, it's good, though. It keeps defenses on their heels. You know, they never know exactly what we're going to be doing, run or pass. Cheers, Steve. Thank you very much, man, and have a great week. Thanks. Cheers, bud. Really appreciate the time. On the San Francisco 49ers side of the ball, I uh, spoke to Robert Sala uh, talking all things defense and how fun it is to prepare a defense like this to work with different players and, and, and how basically this defense is bought into what Sala is trying to do. What's your attention been in these last few days in terms of your game preparation, getting this defense ready to take on Mahomes? Uh, the big thing really is just to make sure that we're doing things the right way, or the, tightening up the screws and making sure that it's nice and easy for the players with all the uh, different checks that we might have. But um, uh, just trying to make sure that the players are communicating well, everything's nice and tight, and, uh, they're, and the players are confident to go out there and play. That communication comes through. Uh, re it's really important, obviously, to be able to get your ideas across to the players but I guess your assistants as well need to be on that real same page real Chris can you talk about your relationship with your, with your assistant coaches absolutely the, our, our assistant coaches and um, they don't get enough credit you know you got Kacerik does an unbelievable job with the defensive line D'Amico Ryans and Johnny Holland do a fantastic job with the uh, linebackers uh, Joe Woods and Daniel Bullocks and their ability to relate to those players in the back end and get them all playing in sync uh, and then obviously Chris Kiffin and uh, um uh, Brian Flurry and what they do on the on the outside in terms of just the different tapes that we need and uh, Kiffin with his presentation every week on the on the ball and so it's a it is a really really good staff um I'm kind of spoiled I feel like I got an all-star staff along with a bunch of really good football players and it's uh and I can't give enough credit to those guys do they buy in and get it straight away what you're trying to do here because what you've done with 
particularly with the pass defense this year, has just been exceptional. Um, you know, it's it's been, you know, the, mo- the 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 most powerful thing you can show a player is that it's possible. And um, and you know, with our system, we've got tape of Bobby Wagner doing it, Richard Sherman doing it back when he was in Seattle, um, uh, Telvin Smith and Miles Jack and Paul Poslesny doing it in Jacksonville. You've got D lineman Chris Clemens and all the different D linemen that that have come through the system. Uh, uh, Joey Bosa over there with the Chargers, and so you've got a lot of tape to show these guys that what we're asking is possible, and you two can do it at a very high level. And these players are very talented, and so when they see it on tape, it's just natural, like, oh, I can do that. And so, th- and our players have been phenomenal in terms of uh, uh, buying in and really being coachable, and and but at the same time, not just being robots in terms of taking the system and really expanding it and expanding what we're asking them to do. Uh, just on using their own athleticism and um, and with that they've they've really taken this thing on and they've really made it a, its own unique system. So the players and their abilities have almost helped to adapt what you've initially the blueprint you've laid out. Have they had input in verbal communication or is it just what they read and react to in that way? Well, you always want to uh, you always want to have open dialogue. At least it's our philosophy to make sure that you're trying to get feedback from the players so that way you can make it. You can reword the rules, make it simpler for them, and uh, so it's it's not a dictatorship. It's more of a, a republic in the sense that you know we, we want input, we want uh, we want them to be able to communicate with us and ha- have that freedom to do that. But the underlying, the the biggest thing is that these every player has a, a foundation that they stand on, and the challenge to every player is how can you stretch that foundation more than just the the little area that we give you can you stretch it but understanding where you need to get back to if you get back in trouble you know if, I, if i'm making sense but yeah, yeah. these players have really taken on to that and they're understanding where they can cheat where they can give a little where they can take a little and uh, they, they've completely bought in over these last three years and it's turning into a, a very very fast football team you mentioned a number of names just a moment ago some phenomenal players obviously on nfl defenses around the league how nice is it to have somebody back that you know has been at that elite level and be under your tutelage again in someone like Richard Sherman as, as a player and, and as a man as well? He's quite a charismatic guy, let's be honest. Sherm, uh, Sherm doesn't get enough credit for his leadership ability. You know, like um, his locker room presence and his voice and, and what he's done with it has been uh, more than anything we could have possibly imagined. Uh, aside from the player and all that stuff, he's he's been fantastic in every way you can possibly imagine. I, I suppose you've really kind of seen him mature as a, a player coming into that. I mean, everybody remembers from that Seahawks run to the Super Bowl, the, the outcry in the NFC Championship game uh, against the Niners. And that is still there, that fire, but it's, it seems to be put out in a different way. Is that something you've seen from him in, in, in maturing as, an, as a... For sure. You know, he's... Um... He's kind of the lead voice now. You know, when he was in Seattle, there was, you know, he was part of a, a group of guys that led in terms of when you look at Earl Earl Thomas and Sherm was there, obviously, and Cam Chancellor and all the different guys that were there, Bobby Wagner, KJ Wright, Michael Bennett. I mean, they had a plethora of, of leaders. Um, he's kind of come here as, as the, the veteran presence to really not be the only voice because some guys have really stepped up, but to, to just be that voice of reason and, and uh to help these guys along and he's he's taken that power of his voice and he's really really made it to good use and and uh and it's i can't give him enough credit for how he's handled it and uh and how he's evolved as a as a leader over these last uh uh, over the course of his career is this one of the most kind of fun defenses that 
to put together because of the talent and particularly that front seven that it must be quite enjoyable to be planning how you're going to take people down it's, in that it's fun to watch watch those guys play you know our system um is, is built on the premise that we do everything we can to unlock all the athleticism of the player and uh and then from there they'll let those players just go play and and they do a good job man they're they're they they study they work their tails off uh, they've all gotten themselves to the point where they don't think on the football field they just react and the the strongest players are the ones who aren't thinking and that's that's kind of the kind of credit to them it's a big credit to them and the way they've they've attacked the system and the way they've attacked their day-to-day uh work i won't take up too much more your time i've only got two more to go man it's fascinating chatting with somebody kind of been and done so much particularly on the defensive side of the ball um going back to seattle Russell Wilson's obviously a quarterback that extends plays, can, can make almighty throws and has a phenomenal arm. Do you think for you, for the likes of Sherman, and being able to impart some of that knowledge that you've learned from seeing Russell do what he does, to take down Patrick on Sunday in a way, is there, is there a slight advantage in kind of the slight similarities that Russell and, and, and Patrick have? You know, we, we've had a lot of opportunity in terms of we, you know, we played Russell Wilson twice, we played Aaron Rodgers twice, we played Lamar Jackson once, so we've had our ops, uh, we've got a lot of reps on tape, and uh, obviously Patrick is on a whole different level, but to be able to take some of that learning and, and how we can make it even better is, is always a challenge. Just finally then, the, the receiver core as well for Kansas City has been discussed, you know, speed kills at the end of the day. In an NFL that is so much built around speed, particularly in receiving threat, how much of a nightmare is it for a D coordinator to plan something against them? They're fast, man. They're and uh, but what what doesn't get talked about is the way uh, Andy Reid and Eric Bieniemy the the way those two scheme up those routes to to distribute them in a way that just would be impossible if they didn't have that speed. And they 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 have speed, and then Coach Reid and obviously Eric Bieniemy they do a phenomenal job distributing it and just straining the heck out of you on defense. So it's it's going to be a challenge for sure. I look forward to seeing it on Sunday. Thank you very much, Coach. Thank you. Leader on that defense is Richard Sherman, of course, the uh, former Super Bowl winner with the Seattle Seahawks. Big influence. He had some big comments on Wednesday's press conference and, uh, yeah, just got him to elaborate on something that Robert Saller had said in our interview uh, on Thursday afternoon. Richard, Roberts said that the players get a lot of influence in structuring this defence. How useful is that for an experienced player like yourself to be allowed to have such an input into it? It's, it's definitely really helpful um, because there are certain, you know, obviously there are certain things that coaches understand and coaches feel, and there are certain things that they don't feel on the field that, that you know, that our insight might be able to help them kind of tighten things up and say, oh, I didn't realize that was such a difficult move to play, or I didn't realize that that makes it that much more difficult to check on the field. Like when things are in real time and things are moving really fast and you're in the moment, it's not as easy to to check out of three different plays, you know what I mean? So sometimes you have to tell them, hey, we can check from here to here and then we got to stay. Because otherwise, we're just going to bust the coverage, and they're going to, there's going to be holes. Um, so I think the way our defense staff does it is really cool. Do you see a lot of the younger guys having that same amount of input? Obviously, veterans like yourself will feel a bit more confident to approach the coordinators like that. Well, I don't, I don't see them even attempting to have that much input. You know, they're just kind of, they're, they're still trying to figure out, you know, their way from the locker room to the field half time. You know, but, um, but, but they do a great job of executing this game. How are you approaching your role as a veteran? Also spoke to DeForest Buckner about the influence that Salah has and what it's like playing underneath the D coordinator. 
Forrest, can I just ask you about working with Robert Sala and the kind of defensive coordinator he is and what you've learned from him in your time? Yeah, um, I mean, Sala's a I mean, smart, he's a great coach. Um, you know, he's a, he's a player's coach. Like, just like any of our coaches, you know what I mean? They're all, he's approachable. He can, you know, he takes on, you know, he'll ask for your opinion on certain things. And, um, you know, you really like, you know, you know, kind of bounce ideas off of him, you know what I mean? And, um, you know, he's he's a really, I mean, what, what I really love about Salah is his his ability to, to make adjustments in halftime, you know what I mean? If we're struggling on something um, in, the, in the first half, we'll, we'll talk it over. He'll come in with a plan and, you know, we'll execute the plan in the second half. And, I mean, he's, he's just a, a really good, you know, just smart coach in general with the, the certain things that he sees on the field, um, on film. Um, you know, throughout the week, if you see something different, he'll let us know. And, you know, he's just really transparent with everything. A lot of people have mentioned that approachability and the, the great communication that you guys have and the ability that the players have to have that input. Is there any specific moments that you can think of during this season where a player has said, right, let's change this, and it's had a definitive impact either on game prep or in a game? Um, uh, I probably, I can't can't specifically think of one one thing but I know um when we played the Rams when we played the Rams uh, the first time they're they killing us on a certain run and um you know we made some mentions on some type of movements and stuff like that that we need to do and little things like that and he started to you know change the game plan from then on in and you know uh, it was successful so it's just little things like that Cheers yeah. to Forrest. thank you man. Right, thank you and similarly the impact of Solomon Thomas in these playoffs has not gone unnoticed, may not be a starter on the San Francisco 49ers defensive line, but he certainly had a lot to say about the building of this D and the chemistry running through it. Solomon Thomas, D lineman for the Super Bowl, potentially winning San Francisco 49ers. How's this week going for you? Uh, it's been amazing, you know, it's been a dream come true to be out here and get experience this week. It's a once in a lifetime opportunity and we're just trying to take advantage of it all. Um, so, you know, blessed to be here, and we're just trying to get that win. Once in a lifetime, but this is a San Francisco 49ers team that is very young, and there's a lot of talent around. Win one on Sunday, and I mean, there's no telling where this team can go right now. You're right, there's no telling, but right now, we're just focused on this week and, and this this Sunday. Um, you know, we are a young team, we're very talented, and uh, but the NFL moves in crazy ways, guys go all over the place, so. Right now, we're just trying to live this this team's life the best we can because this is the only time this team will all forever be together. You said just a moment ago, it's a dream come true. How long, I mean, when's the first time you thought, that's where I want to be in the big game? Um, You know, ever since like you start playing football. You know, when you're in Pop Warner, you want to play middle school. In middle school, you want to play high school, high school, college, college, league. But always, you, wherever, wherever you are, if you're a competitor, you want to win the whole thing. You want to win the national championship. You want to win the state championship, you want to win the Super Bowl. So ever since I started playing football, to win at the highest level has always been my goal. And so to be here is truly a dream come true. And But, you know, it's not just to be here, it's to win. So that's 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 the real goal. So we're here to win. What's it like playing in a Super Bowl for a storied franchise like the San Francisco 49ers? I mean, they are a globally recognized team for the success that they had with Montana and with Young and everything. Definitely, you know, it truly is a privilege, you know, to a team that has five Super Bowls and has been to the NFC Championship. Then they like I think I don't know the exact. I'm gonna say it wrong, but it was like fifth, over 15 times. It's, it's insane, uh, you know. So um, it's it's a privilege to be here, and we're just trying to uphold the standard and bring the, bring that standard back, that winning standard. Does it carry a weight, an extra burden, almost like being part of the 49ers, as opposed to maybe a younger franchise that doesn't have that many titles behind it? 
Uh, no, I wouldn't say it carries a burden of weight. You know, we're just worried. We know how good we are. We know our talent. We know our potential. And, and we're just trying to maximize that and, and finish it off by being the best in the world. And uh, that's all we're worried about. You know, we don't feel any way, any pressure, because we know that we're here, we're here ready to work. All right, let's talk the fun stuff. This D-line has been pretty savage this yeah. year. Yeah, definitely. You know, this D-line's, you know, we're a brotherhood. You know, we love each other. We play our tails off. We have a great time doing it, and, and you know we have some guys on here that are freaks. Our starting four, uh, you know they all. It's crazy to have that that this starting four that we have. It's crazy to have it on one team because normally you don't have one of those guys on one team, and we have all four on one on one starting line, and they're all insane players, top of the world players, and I love them all dearly. But yourself as well. I mean, you know the rotation that you've got on that defensive line. You came in against the, the Vikings, for instance, made some real big plays in the uh, divisional and the divisional round of the playoffs sorry, yeah. yeah sorry i apologize i'm getting confused there's so many games this year man yeah. i mean there's strength in numbers on that d-line too definitely you know it, it helps a lot having being able to having a second group to rotate you know we have guys you know all from all over the place all over the world just coming in and just it's contributing like and when our second group goes in it's like we don't miss a beat we go out there play the same effort same violence same tenacity and we're trying to go make the guys let, let the guys rest let them get healthy and we're trying to go make plays ourselves and go go be the best we're trying to show we're the best as well I don't want to be negative in any way, shape or form, but towards the end of the year and, for instance, in the game against Green Bay as well, teams in the second half have been able to start coming back into games against the 49ers and, you know, the Falcons lost, for instance. That was quite a wake-up call, I guess. I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah, we've had... We haven't been perfect all season and and teams have gotten after us here and there, but, you know, we, we stand our ground and we find a way to win, whether... We have to put it on our backs to make a stop or our offense has to go score. You know, we'll find a way to win. And, um, you know, we're a very talented defense. We're, um, you know, a, a very, very good defense. And we have to go prove that on Sunday over and over again. Each 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 week's a test. And we have a great test coming up. I'm ready to, to, go, uh, to go dominate. Yeah. Has it been touched on at all by the coaching staff in the build-up to this game on Sunday, the, the fourth quarter kind of? keeping that intensity keeping that pressure and not allowing teams to get a foothold back in again yeah that's something we talk about every week you know playing every quarter every the whole game like a great a great defensive game not not letting some here or some there of course you know, let up some plays it's the nfl but you know we want to uphold our standard the whole game and and play with our kind of effort violence and technique the whole game now you guys get to play against russell wilson twice a year how much do you think that will assist you in dealing with a character like patrick mahomes on sunday you know, I mean, it's definitely it definitely helps um, going against mobile quarterbacks. But uh, you know, Russell's an incredible quarterback. Uh, Patrick is an incredible quarterback. You know, he's an reigning MVP. Can throw all over the field from wherever. He is the most powerful arm in the NFL. And, um, it's it's crazy. Uh, he's a crazy good player, and we respect him. And that's why we're going to go get after him and go disrupt him. And so that's that's our goal, and that's that's our game plan. Yeah. As a defensive line, to prevent that mobility, do you have to, what do you have to start doing? Like throwing in more kind of stunts and twists on the line in terms of to, to get penetration and collapse a pocket? No, you just have to manage the pocket well. You know, he likes to escape here and there, and you have to you have to cover those cover those areas. But you also have to you can't you can't be so scared of him getting out in the pocket that that you don't rush because you still have to rush. You have to affect him. You have to make him feel you, and you just have to make him continuously feel let's get after him rush by rush pocket closing where these scrambles be in his face you know so we have to continuously be there over and over again cheers Solomon best of luck on Sunday man thanks for the time thank you backup quarterbacks maybe not the most fashionable people on the planet but uh, CJ Bethard had a few things to say to us about his impression of Patrick Mahomes and how that's coming along this week running the scout D 
Am I right in saying that George Kittle's first touchdown in college was from a pass from you? Yeah, I think so, yeah. Yeah, he was, uh, we, I mean, we got to school together um, and graduated together and we lived together for, for a couple of years. Um, yeah, so, yeah. So you really knew him? Before, oh, yeah. So you know, you know his, all his bad habits and everything like that then? Yeah, yeah, to say the least, I know his bad habits, I know his good habits, he knows mine, he, you know, we're, we're real close. Will you throw him under the bus? He might throw you under the bus if I asked him what your bad habits are at home. No, I, I, wouldn't, I'm not, I wouldn't throw him under the bus like that. Not, not, no. Is it cool to kind of have that journey for George kind of begin with you and you guys are still going to kind of finish it off? perhaps together if you get the win on Sunday. I mean, it's kind of a nice full circle story. Yeah, I mean, it, it really is. Cause this is our eighth year together, um, playing together. I mean, anytime you've got been on the field with somebody for eight years, you got a real, you know, good chemistry. And and just going back to, you know, our freshman year of college, I mean, young, skinny kids, new to, new to, new to school, and then, you know, how much we've both grown. And um, it would just really be, would be real cool to, you know, finish this year with the Super Bowl. Now, I know you're going to tell me it doesn't matter it's just an honor to be involved in the squad but there was a point where it looked like this 49ers offense was going to be yours to have not so long ago is that something that you thought about too much or anything or you just put that in the back of mind yeah no I mean that was so long ago it feels like I mean that was you know going back two years ago I mean, we were a different completely different team and um yeah, I mean, it, this year's just been unreal, and uh, it's been it's been a real, real, real awesome year. And the, and the guys on this team have have been great. You know, it's it's we've developed something special, and it's uh, it's been great being on this team. How has Coach Shanahan been able to create this chemistry? Every, every single player I've spoken to tonight has mentioned it without really being prompted. Yeah, I mean, I think it just goes back to like him bringing in the right people. He knew the the right people he wanted to be uh, to bring in, and. Uh, knows that when you bring in the right people that the culture kind of um, works for itself uh, you don't have to go out and try and you know build this culture if you bring the right people in the culture you know works itself out and that's kind of how I mean you saw our first couple years were tough but we knew that, that the thing tides would turn eventually uh, with the guys that we had and we just got to keep bringing in the right guys and, and obviously it's all worked out so, so far. How does your week kind of look? in terms of your involvement in practice and, and being ready for Sunday in, in case of anything? Yeah, I mean, you got to prepare as if you're as, as if you're the guy. You, you never know what could happen. Uh, you know, God forbid something happened to, to Jimmy, but you just never know. So you got to prepare as, as if you're, you're, you're playing. And um, you obviously going out there and doing the scout team work right now, trying to do our, uh, me and Nick trying to do our best impersonation of Patrick Mahomes to try and give our defense a look because, you know, he's one of the best players in the league right now. Pat is, and um, just trying to, you know, prepare our defense for the week. How is your Mahomes impression? Is it coming along okay? Yeah, yeah, I think I think it's going pretty well, and uh, yeah, it's been fun trying trying to be him and uh, do some cool stuff. And you seem remarkably just chilled, mm, yeah. uh, like very casual, laid back guy. Is that you all over, or is there is there a little bit of a fluttering going on with this week? You know, no, I'm a I'm a chill guy. Yeah, I'm just uh, pretty laid back uh, in general, and uh, that's really how I always have been. Like. Don't let anything get me too high or too low. If you just kind of stay steady throughout throughout everything, the highs and lows of life, um, you know, then, then you'll be all right. Perfect guy to have under center then, basically. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Yeah. Cheers, CJ. Thank you, man. Appreciate it. Thanks. Appreciate it, man. Yeah. Similarly, the tight end that's hogging the headlines for the San Francisco 49ers is, of course, George Kittle. 
They've got a fair few in that position that can uh, make a bit of an impact. Spoke with Levine Toyolo about running in this offense, what he prefers to do as a tight end and what it's like watching and learning from George Kittle. Levine Toilolo, tight end for the uh, San Francisco 49ers. I had a look through some of the uh, articles about yourself, and is it true you've got three uncles that have played in the NFL already? Yeah, yeah. Like you said, had, had a few uncles. Um, yeah, one of them was in Baltimore. Um, then one actually played for Kansas City and uh, Seattle. And then another one, he actually uh, played for a few teams. So, yeah, they, like you said, had three uncles who, who played in the league. So... None, none have been to a Super Bowl, though, I take it? Uh, I think w just one. Yeah, one of them in uh, Baltimore. Uh, I think 2002, I want to say, the one they, yeah. Yeah, yep, against uh, the Giants, I believe. Jason Seahorn got pump faked out of his own <laughs> shoes, yeah. <laughs> um, in terms of those three who've played in the NFL and the experience they've had, and one of them has been to a Super Bowl, have you kind of spoken to them a lot this week in terms of, like, preparation for this weekend? Uh, no, not too much. I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, just I think my dad kind of keeps in touch with them a little more than, than I do. But, uh, yeah, as far as, you know, experience-wise and stuff like that, I haven't, I haven't uh, talked to them too much. Who have you spoken to a lot this week from fam family, obviously friends? Uh, is there anybody that's kind of stood out and just kind of helping you get through the week? Or do you just not really need that because the teams you got around you um yeah like you said I'll, I'll talk to my family not not so much like you said anything crazy but you know they'll just ask you know how the week's going and stuff like that um but yeah mostly just you know spending time with the team hanging out with the guys and you know just you know enjoying the experience and you know staying focused and, and getting to work now there's one tight end that seems to hog all the headlines on this San Francisco 49ers team. Is there any, no frustration, though, that George is the one who's up on a podium every week or anything like that? Oh, no, not at all. I mean, shoot, it's well-deserved, you know, the attention that he gets um, for, I mean, for how, how well he plays. And um, not only that, but for how hard he works, you know, not, not everyone gets to see, you know, the daily work that he puts in, um, you know, the hours that he puts in, the, you know, whether it's, you know, for his body or just mentally on, on the game plan. So, yeah, I mean, it, all his success is, is definitely well-deserved and, and he's earned it. How much do you try and learn from him and his approach, his attitude, and his game style, or do you like to try and do your own thing? So um, yeah, I think, you know, I think everyone kind of has, you know, their own routine and stuff like that that works for them. But at the same time, like you said, it, you know, when you try to grow as a player um, and as, as an athlete, I think you try to, you know, take things from from different people that, that they do well and um, like you said I think for George you know I, I enjoy watching both you know his his blocking and and his receiving game um, but I think for me the biggest thing that, that I've I've enjoyed and kind of picked up on is just the mindset and the, the mentality that he has you know each play and, and going into to each rep so I think for me um, that that's been something special to watch now what do you enjoy more Run blocking or getting out and little five yard out to the sideline and making a grab. Uh, I think for me, like you said, b both are fun. But I think for me, definitely, you know, when you when you have a nice block, um, just being able to to physically, you know, open a open a hole for for the running back to break free, or you know, just you, you get a good pop or you, you knock someone back. I think, 
you know, in, the, in this in this sport, in this game, you know, a lot of guys pride themselves on you know physicality. So anytime you can you can get something good in the blocking game is, is definitely pretty fun. It's almost something like quite primal, quite tribal about that kind of attitude, isn't it? Right, exactly. Like you said, I mean, especially you know, as men in this game, obviously a big thing guys talk about is physicality and you know collisions and stuff like that. So. Um, anytime you can, like I said, physically kind of move someone um, is definitely something that, that our tight end group as a whole takes pride in. Now this offense is going to have a lot of pressure on it because A, you're in the Super Bowl obviously, but this is a Kansas City team that seems to score points almost at will. Is a real impetus that you're going to perhaps have to keep up with that offense? System? Um, no, I think I think for us, you know, like you said, it's, it's not our offense against their offense, you know. I think you know we have great faith in in our defense and the, the game plan and the players that that they put out there and um, so our, our focus is definitely going against a great defense that they have you know they have great players and you know great scheme yes. and great coaches so like I said we're not focusing on their offense specifically as an offensive player you know I'm I'm trying to make sure I, you know I'm I'm on my game plan stuff as far as going against their defense. What's your approach as a tight end going into a game? You know, people would look at wide receivers and say, right, you're basically squaring up against corners. But for tight ends, you have to sometimes think about an end. You have to think about a linebacker. You have to think about the deep DBs as well. I mean, you've got to pick apart a big defense. Yeah, like you said, you kind of have to look at the defense as a whole. Like you said, there's plays where you might be, you know, blocking a DN or even a linebacker. And then, you know, like you said, if it's, if it's a route, you might be going against a linebacker or a safety, something like that. So... Um, yeah, just I think as a group and starting with Coach Embo, you know, he does a good job of, you know, kind of breaking down the defense for us and, you know, scouting things as far as um, personnel-wise. So I think it's something that you're used to as a tight end. You know, you got to do that every week. So um, like I said, it's, it's kind of typical week, typical routine. Um, but it's been nice to have, you know, that extra week of preparation to kind of, you know, dive into a little bit more film and stuff like that. What are the evenings like in Super Bowl week? I mean, obviously when you're at a home game, you, you're at home, you can go to your family, you chill, but is this kind of stuck in the hotel room? Is there a chance to, to go out? Obviously not South Beach, I presume, or anything. Uh, yeah, like you said, we're, we'll be in the hotel. Um, but like you said, I think some guys will hang out, uh, you know, still in the hotel with each other, whether it's, you know, go hang out in, in someone's room or whatever. Um, but I think guys try to keep it, you know, keep it light still, you know, try to enjoy your week, and uh, but yeah, I think guys guys are focused and, and really just trying to you know stay as routine as possible. And it's you know it's actually been nice. We've had a few you know road trips where you know we kind of stayed in a hotel for for a week or so. So you know this is not the first time we've done it this year. So I mean it's it's been fun. Who do you tend to hang out with personally? Who's your kind of person you chill with in the evening or whatever? Uh, I mean a lot of tight ends will we'll stick together and, and hang out and but. I mean, I think that's the, the awesome thing about this team is, you know, it it's really, you kind of just hang out with anyone, you know, you go grab lunch and, you know, whoever, guys can sit at the table with, you know, all different position groups. And I think that's that's kind of led to, you know, how close we are as a team and um, just that chemistry and that brotherhood that we have. It's been something that's been mentioned by almost every single player I've spoken to this evening is the, the team chemistry that this has. And while a lot of teams will say it and it may not necessarily be true it seems to be very genuine how does that chemistry kind of come about do you think um i think i mean i think it starts with just you know i think with john lynch and kyle just with the kind of guys that they bring in um you know a lot of great guys a lot of you know good character guys and 
I think that's that's why a lot of guys get get along so well. And um, like you said, I think you know some teams can say it, but I think when you turn on the film and and you see just how much fun guys enjoy, you know, out there playing football together and you know being able to celebrate, you know, each other's success, um, really just goes to show how close we are as a team. There's one man in these playoffs who's almost been a bit of a forgotten man. That's Jimmy Garoppolo. Like, nobody's talking about the quarterback, which is bonkers in the NFL these days. What's Jimmy been like this week? You know, he's been to a Super Bowl before. He knows this sort of preparation, but he's never had to step into the big game as the starting quarterback before. Yeah, um, you know, Jimmy's been awesome. I think, like you said, he's been cool, calm, collected. And, uh, you know, I, like you said, you might have to ask him if, if that affects him, but I mean, from the outside looking in, from from my personal standpoint, I mean, he's seemed like the same old Jimmy that that we've been riding with all week and or in all year. And you know, like you said, I think you know, I think he's he's just been doing whatever it takes to win. You know, and I think there's been games where he's had to throw more, and then there's some games where he hasn't had to. So, um, like you said, he, he's our leader, and we trust him, and you know, we we enjoy going to battle with him. He hasn't said anything like, right, I'm stepping out of Brady's shadow now or anything like that to you then? Oh, no, no, I mean, not to me. Like you said, I think, you know, he's been sticking to his his same routine and, you know, we're excited to, to go into this game with him. Cheers, man. Best of luck on Sunday. Thanks for the time. Thank you. Appreciate, Appreciate that, man. Yeah, that was no awesome. And finally, on Radio Row, got a chance to chat earlier on Thursday with Jets linebacker Brandon Copeland. Uh, got him talking about what it's like at the moment for him in the NFL in terms of player safety and how he approaches it, how that's changed since he became a father. And we got him to give his thoughts on the big game on Sunday as well. How does that change your approach to the NFL becoming a dad? Does that do you, do you see it slightly differently in any way, shape or form? Yeah, I think it's a it's a, a lens, a, a very different lens. So one, you're staring at your motivation every single day. So right, you've been working for, if that's your value system, like me, I've always worked hard for my family and to provide all these type of, you know, beautiful things for my family. And now I wake up in the morning and I see my son, you know, smiling, probably most of the time, the time I wake up, he's, he's asleep, right? <laughs> but, you know, you stare at your motivation every single day, which drives you. Uh, I also think it makes you think, you know, to be, uh, not morbid, but it makes you think about your end game within the NFL and, and where you want to be at from a physical standpoint, from a health standpoint, and also uh, from a financial standpoint when you leave the NFL, right? I, I would always have dreamed of being able to come after a game and see my son run up to me and hoist him up, and hopefully one day I'll be at a Super Bowl and hoisting him up with confetti falling, and, and he'll be able to remember it, right? But I also... You know, I, there was a, a, a time this year where I got banged up after a game, like plenty of players do. And I remember reaching to pick up my son and, ah, you know, and just thinking about it and like, okay, fortunately it healed up beautifully and everything like that. But you, it really makes you think about, you know, hey, after football, I want to be able to play catch in the backyard with my son and chase him around and stuff too. So it's a different lens and perspective. Uh, but yeah. It's something that's changing in the NFL, it seems. With Obviously, this year we had two high-profile retirements at relatively early ages, Andrew Luck and, and, and Luke Keekley at the end of the season. Is that something that you think players are being taught more about 
in terms of life after football? There's more players seem to be more active, like yourself, with other businesses, other opportunities away from the game, preparing potentially for life after football. And, and just that idea of, you know, you do have to think that you could get to 35, 36 if you're Tom Brady, you know, 58. But uh, you can get to that point and suddenly there's still a lot of life left to go. Is that is that being talked about more? I think that's, that's literally the beauty in what you all have done from a media standpoint, right, is you guys are, are taking the time to highlight the good that guys are doing off the field, and you're also giving current players hope and an understanding of, okay, hey, I can do this. I can. There is life after football. There is a good, great life after football, right? And, and so I think that gives players a lot more comfort. I think also, you know, my grandfather, he played in the NFL for 11 years. He passed away last January, January 6th. And my rookie year, again, I'm going into eight years in the NFL, God willing, this year. But my first year, we did an interview together, and one of the things they asked him was, what advice would you give to your, your grandson coming in as a rookie? And the first time I ever heard him say this, he said the biggest piece of advice I would give him is not to stay around the game as long. He said, I played 11 years. I had the time of my life. I was young. I was super. I was superhuman. Uh, but I'm banged up so much after football that I, I realized that it's not a game that you stay around as long for the, because of the physical toll. I've, I've paid for it for the rest of my life. And again, I, I've, he was my typical granddad where you hear the same jokes, you hear the same things over and over again. Uh, however, that was the one and only time I ever heard him say that. And so for me, uh, I, I, I think a lot of guys are keeping that in their mind and they're being more stuck on not their own personal number of years they want to play but how their body is feeling and, and that's that's a positive thing to see for a team to slow down the san francisco 49ers offense right now on that run game seems not impossible right i mean they've they literally command the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball. <laughs> you know, their D-line is, is outstanding and their O-line and, and what they're doing in the run game is, is obviously they're setting records. They set a record last game, right? Um, what I think, I, I really, when, when, I, when I think about the game, I really hope to see, like probably every fan hopes to see besides the two team fans, uh, respective cities, I hope to see a uh, amazing game going down to the last play. I think that the Chiefs offense is, you know, second to none. I think the 49ers has a more balanced team in the terms of they have a, a stronger defense. And so I think the 49ers do it, to be quite honest. But I really just hope to see a game come down to the last second. Last throw. Let, me, let, us, let us all, you know, sit on the edge of our seats for a bit.